CircuitCast with your host, Mark Amory, brought to you by circuit.org.nz. Kia ora koutou listeners, welcome to CircuitCast, an exploration of moving image from Aotearoa, New Zealand and beyond. And in this pod, we have Melbourne on the line. We're talking to one of the speakers at this year's Circuit Symposium in Auckland. It's established Melbourne experimental filmmaker and a lecturer at Deakin University, Dirk de Bruin, who's been making films and sometimes performing with them live for over 35 years. Kia ora, Dirk. Welcome to CircuitCast. Glad to be here. For starters, I'd just like to talk a little bit about your presentation that's coming up at the Circuit Symposium. It's called Communicating History Ahistorically. Uh, what are you presenting, Dirk? I did this oral history film about the Geelong waterfront. One of the things is when I was kind of researching this and stuff, and I came across a couple of people, uh, one guy called Wolfgang Sievers, who does a lot of industrial imagery, and he's kind of well-known in Australia now. The, the other interesting person was this guy called Charles Daniel Pratt. He's a New Zealander who uh, settled in Geelong after the First World War. He was an aerial photographer in Palestine, you know, when... So he ended up in Geelong and he, he ended up setting up a, a flying company where you take a lot of aerial photographs. So there's all these photographs of Victoria that have got this kind of really high contrast, high detailed aesthetic, which came out of that First World War period. I was also thinking, you know, what about these people themselves? Do they kind of reflect anything of those times? And when you look into Daniel Pratt's history, he was involved in Gallipoli. He was involved in the Palestine campaign and he was the quintessential returned serviceman from the whole Anzac period which is such a defining moment in both uh, countries' histories, you know? And so when you look into his personality, it's kind of almost like he's a kind of a hero in that kind of traditional first real war sense. Yeah, well this film Threshold, this idea of looking at childhood memory and history, it's interesting of course that also works in terms of using Google Map there and this kind of sense of how memory is captured by different technology or how the technology reflects the, the social time in which it was born from. Yeah, well you, you know when you compare those Google Maps, you know uh, you can compare those with some of uh, Pratt's photographs because basically he created a Google Map of uh, Port Phillip Bay area in the 1920s. Well, looking at your own work, Dirk, I mean, collecting images and it being part of everyday life, I see as something that goes back a long way with your filmmaking. Yeah, well, I feel that that's kind of what everybody does now. I mean, the images I used to collect and what I used to do, I used to think that if I could somehow work out how I could use my 16mm and Super 8 cameras in terms of the way I conducted my life on a daily basis, that was kind of the way that I wanted to kind of use it. Right. And it wasn't always that easy because... First of all, it costs money to shoot things a lot more than it does now. Uh, and often, uh, so, you know, one of my compromises was when it became difficult was I'd always kind of make sure that I did some work, even if it was in my studio, by scratching or working on things and sort of incorporated it into my daily life as part of just the way people might eat, you know. Right, yeah. And try and do something on a daily basis. Now, Threshold uh, includes animation, handmade animation. That's right. literally drawing. In some cases, it's going on to the photographic imagery. And I see that's, that handmade animation, that direct filmmaking process, is something you've worked a lot with in your filmmaking. And I was kind of interested right. to ask you why, in terms of animation, why that, what that does what can't be, that can't be represented by other media. Well, I think it comes back to a sort of a level of materiality about it, more, more of a physical kind of presence. I mean, that was always part of the way I first sort of had a dialogue with kind of film and everything, that it was with holding the stuff in my hand and scratching it and 
doing things to it and making a physical difference. It's one of the things that becomes different within the digital, so you're trying to work out ways of doing that. Mm. I mean, in Threshold, one of the things I kind of did was I would go into the landscape and start doing animation using liquid chalk on the on glass windows and then ah. sort of filming it rather than sort of doing it in the studio on a bit of paper and then go shoot, you know, drawing a, a rotoscoping something, click filming it and then going away. I kind of do that in the, the kind of uh, public space itself, you know. Mm. But yeah, what's interesting there though, Dirk, is you, you're actually drawing, um, you're drawing pictures. It's almost like that the yeah. hand as a kind of conductor of memory can achieve something that all the photography yeah. and all the mapping that you could possibly do in the world can't achieve. No, that's right. You can go back to the body. There's things in the body, you know, the way we remember things bodily that right. can sort of come out by kind of ritual, that repetition and everything, bring things out by just using gesture, you know, and the gesture might not be visible, you know, uh, when you screen it, but there's been a lot of gestures and a lot of repetition and a lot of kind of almost trance-like reproducing when you kind of get into the animation studio. Right. Um, and that's something I'm kind of also interested in kind of trying to repeat and place these things in public space because I think one of the things that's happened to my practice over, you know, since I started in the 70s is the kind of things that I might do in the solitude in my studio, you know, in terms of the scratching that you kind of mentioned before and you asked. I think this stuff has now kind of migrated back into public space and so the idea is to perform some of these things and sort of place them in front of an audience. So... It's sort of it's not in the in the solitary confinement of the studio, but in some kind of public place, you know. And I, I, I try and think of that too. I sort of think of that as a bit of a response to this digital situation, where you're kind of showing and you're manipulating and showing how an image is changed by sticking a hand in front of it or putting two images over the top of each other. So you're kind of performing the idea of producing images or layering images, you know. Right. And this is I, I think this is a kind of language too that is now something that everybody who works with Photoshop or with an editing program, they're all familiar with these kind of manipulations. You know, they become almost, again, through kind of everyday use, almost become engendered into the way you think or put things together in ways that uh, were really unplanned, but maybe a residue of the way that technology w uh, works now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, and then, Dirk, there's the, in, in, in this threshold film, and there's the whole layer of oral history, the, the spoken memory, and it, that, for me, really, in a sense, highlights that there are the, the whole deficiencies of any kind of visual aid. Yeah, well, because, I, I, I mean, I, I think one of the things, too, you know, people, there's been a re-interest in my work that's sort of come more through the music community, you know? And I, I, I'm, I've been thinking myself that, in a way, the way that we remember things through the voice and through talking... And the, the malleability of that and the kind of rules about structure and, and narrative in that is sort of closer to the way that I want to use images, you know. One thing is that the, the kind of experimental music community has kind of survived, you know, and it was kind of all, there was always a bit of a crossover, people working in, in both areas, you know, people like Warren Burt or uh, Phil Brophy were both involved in image making and, and sound. But the experimental kind of thing disappeared and as a community and so that other community which kind of had an interest in that was able to bring some of those things back you know by uh, a renewed interest in those things but I, but I also think a, a renewed interest in, in the kind of things I do is also comes from the fact that these things kind of have a new currency now because they're considered more exotic or more 
harder to find. You know, people are so used to sort of finding images and using them on a computer. Uh, They're kind of trying to find things that are kind of almost lost, but have some kind of, because of their scarcity or their difference, and they're harder to find, uh, that they, you know, that they garner interest. And they live in performance as well. I mean, you, you've written, yes. I see, that you've, you've talked about how the, the kind of elements of the sort of new media moving image work, the stuff that's kind of pervasive now in the contemporary art, yeah. can be traced back into this kind of body of this history of experimental filmmaking. But you also say, and I quote you, this is a trace that's been erased under Australian conditions. Now, I think there's yeah. some in New Zealand who'd say the same here. I'm not talking about necessarily right at this very moment, but over the last... 20 years or so. I mean, particularly, I particularly felt that when sort of me, new media came in, there was kind of no reference to experimental work. You know, in fact, uh, Mima Experimenta, which is kind of involved in this kind of area, switched very quickly to sort of new, uh, digital media without any reference to, you know, the old kind of film history. I, I kind of mischievously thought about this as very, you know, New Zealand is a, is a, bit, a, a bit different in this way, perhaps. But uh, in Australia, you know, I, I started mischievously talking about this. Is this is almost like our tradition in Australia, where you know somebody comes along, puts a British flag out here, and says there is nothing here. Yes, yes, right. And I probably did it myself when I was when I was younger and started getting into film. I, I was just interested in what I was doing, not you know the context of the whole thing. Now that I've been uh, through a few of these kind of cycles. I can kind of see that, you know, one of the other issues is this colonial past, too, is that we, we defer to the canon, even in an experimental film, too, that we teach and people know and it's written about, you know, about what happened in America and, and in England in terms of experimental film. But often those parallel histories in our own countries haven't been recorded as emphatically as those. And... Often, you know, you, you speak to younger people who don't know anything about what happened in Australia and New Zealand 20 or 30 years ago, but they know very clearly, you know, that kind of canon history of experimental film. Fantastic, Dirk. We're really looking forward to having you in here in Auckland. Thanks for joining us here on CircuitCast today. Thanks, Mark. For more information about the Circuit Symposium, including details of how to register, go to www.circuit.org.nz.